I am the media masochist. And here I am, once again, taking one on the chin for the team. I'm going to tell you this. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And now, introducing your host, me, the guy who eats shit and tells you what it tastes like. Before we start the show, I just want to say there's a couple added opportunities to share the pain in this particular uh, episode. Um, One, the music that you're going to hear in the background is the actual soundtrack to Legends of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds, and it was tracked down by uh, my guest on this episode, Luke Giaconetti. And, just for your enjoyment, here is the trailer for this movie in German! Unheimliche Bestien terrorisieren ein ganzes Land und versetzen die Bevölkerung in Angst und Schrecken. Woher kommen diese blutgierigen Ungeheuer? Wo haben diese Monster aus grauer Vorzeit überlebt? Wie ist es möglich, dass Tiere, die seit 60 Millionen Jahren ausgestorben schienen, plötzlich zum Leben erwachen? Der Fujiyama, der heilige Berg Japans, wird zum Schauplatz der größten Gigantenschlacht des Jahrhunderts. Dinosaurier und Flugechsen von ungeheuren Ausmaßen verdunkeln den Himmel. Giganten der Vorzeit. Eine Reise in eine faszinierende, unglaubliche Dimension. wurde der Kampf dieser tonnenschweren Giganten mit solcher Perfektion gefilmt. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Media Masochist. Um, I like to, uh, you know, I'd like to sound enthused about um, <laughs> the being here, but you know, it's the nature of the the show that that um, I guess there's a little light at the end of the tunnel because I am not alone this time. I have Luke Giaconetti here too, who has yes. 
who has processed this movie himself and yeah and but really i don't know that that's much of a benefit considering that i'm the one who who picked this movie exactly exactly you're the one who the blame lays on so you're gonna really i'm gonna drag you on here to i don't don't know how i can look myself in the mirror at this point frankly (laughs) so the movie we're, we're we're talking about is legend of dinosaurs and monster birds from 1977 yes which, produced by the Talai Company, uh, who is best known on uh, in, in in the West for being the company that produces the Super Sentai, which is what is developed into the Power Rangers in mm. the United States. Oh, okay. Well, that that makes a lot of sense because this movie was definitely, I think, written with the the. Uh, the logic of a child in mind <laughs> it, it's the logic of a child but it's also like a hard r <laughs> you know monster movie at the same time so yes. it's like <laughs> well that makes it a little more realistic because if i was a kid and i was doing my own monster movie in in my mind it would it would be a bloodbath like this one mm-hmm. and this is weird because giant i've actually seen this twice because oh a long time ago you put up the preview for this yes and uh and I watched it, and then you were like, oh, yeah, the whole movie's on Google. So I went right over and watched it. But that was a while ago, so I had to have notes for the show. So I just I sat down last night and and trudged through it again. Although it's, I, I got to say, there's parts of this movie that are very, very enjoyable. Yeah. But, uh, boy, what, <laughs> what dialogue. Yeah, this one is, I mean... You know, normally on this show, you you watch some stuff that's either just difficult to watch or just atrocious. Whereas this one, um, you know, uh, our, our our listeners probably know that I do a giant Japanese giant monster podcast, and this is easily the single most bizarre Japanese giant monster movie. I'm willing to bet probably giant monster movie of any nationality that uh, ever made. It's uh, it's it's the ultimate zeitgeist of you know, uh, Soupmation Dinosaurs, uh, Disco Jazz Fusion, and yeah. the late 70s. You put those three things together, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's a viewing experience you won't soon forget. Oh my god, just just wildly inappropriate music all the time. I love, <laughs> they're, they're like, look, all the fish in the lake are dying, and you see this shot of all these dead fish floating in the water with this just beautiful pastoral mu- da, 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 music going with a wanka-wanka guitar. And, uh, and to me, nothing will ever beat the um, uh, when the when the monster, the titular monster bird, the Ramphorinkus, pops up. It's do 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 do. It's like, all right, we're going to the monster disco. Yeah, there's a. It's funny because there's I can hear a little bit of plagiarism of James Bond and and uh, the Six Million Dollar Man in in this, yeah. in this music for sure, movie for sure. And about ha- and I wouldn't even say halfway. A good way into this movie, I realized this sucker. I think they thought they were cashing in on Jaws. Yes, that's it, exactly right. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. The, 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 there's just they cover a few. You know, a guy with a bullhorn telling everybody to get out of the water, and and just just a few. You know, a few scenes Kid, that are like, just the kids with the fake fins. Yes, yeah, yeah. They, they just pull a lot of beats out of out of Jaws for sure. Well, you, and, and you know this is that uh, you know Jaws in '75 was was a huge hit that spawned a whole host of imitators. Movies like uh, Tentacles, Tentacles, and, yes, uh, Up from the Depths, and Great White, and um, 
Jaws yes, of Death and all these other, uh, you know, sea monster ripoffs. And, uh, you know, this one is no different. The only thing that I find very interesting about this is that in 76, uh, Toho, which of course is this parent studio for Godzilla and the other Godzilla series, they uh, announced a joint production with Hammer from the British uh, horror series that did all the films with Cushing and Lee in the uh, in the 50s and 60s, or excuse me, in the 60s. They announced a co-production called Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Mm, I remember that. Uh, and it was going to be a, uh, like I said, a co-production where it was going to be shot with a British cast with uh, Toho handling all the special effects. And it was going to be, again, a ripoff of Jaws treating the Loch Ness Monster like a serious uh, monster movie. Well, the film uh, never happened. Uh, if you know anything about Hammer in the late 70s, they announced several dozen uh, pictures that never got beyond, got beyond you know, some initial planning. But this was a big announcement. This was going to be a big blockbuster. So Talai, uh, who mostly did television work, as I said, they jumped right in to make their knockoff of, of uh, Nessie. And the, the original never came out. So their movie looks original by comparison. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, in, in crap cinema, you know, who's original and who's a ripoff? So lines get blurred sometimes. <laughs> That's that's for sure. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much impossible to tell, especially as time goes on. And you know, I mean, I was watching this thinking, only somebody my age would go, "Oh yeah, this is this is Jaws," because there's, <laughs> it's uh, every other element of it's just ridiculous. Uh, great dialogue. My favorite is, well, one of my favorites is they pull up to um, like um, a gas station, and the guy just says. Where's the Fuji wind hole? I saw it on TV last night. And the guy's like, well, you want to go there? And he's like, yeah, it's my job. This <laughs> awesome. And I, I swear, we were talking about this before. Uh, the, the lead character, I swear that is the voice of Phil Austin from the Firesign Theater. Mm. Um, who did uh, the voice of Nick Danger. Because there are just... I mean, every it came to a point in the movie where every time I saw the main character, I would close my eyes so I could hear, you know, all the, the what his voice sounded like without having it attached to, you know, a, a 25-year-old, you know, Japanese guy. And I swear, I mean, I'm a huge Firesign Theater fan. I could see in 1977 Phil Austin going, yeah, you know, I'll do some voiceover work. Yeah. What legend of dinosaurs and monster birds? I'm there. Yeah, this because he delivers that. Ter- I, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie. It's a it's a favorite of Scott's and mine called J Men Forever. No, and it was uh, it was by the Firesign Theater, and basically it w- it predates Mystery Science Theater, where they uh-huh. were t- they took old movie series. At first, they started just taking episodes of serials and redubbing voices over them, and then they took just a bunch of different, you know, of all mixed up serials edited them together into one story and called it J-Men Forever and mm. redubbed all the voices in it and it's one of the funniest things in the world but the delivery of the lines in that are exactly like the delivery of his lines in this you know just wow. pure ridiculous radio you know I'll go over there and uh, you know that's uh, what Tom Servo called his mighty AM radio voice. It is. It is a mighty AM radio voice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you mention that because all that makes me think of is, uh, do you remember uh, Mad Movies? Yes. 
that was the same concept where they yes. just uh, they took public domain movies and and dubbed the new storylines in. And you mentioning Mystery Science Theater three thousand, uh, Legend of Dinosaur and Monster Birds in its Sandy Frank uh, dubbed version. And as we all know from Mystery Science Theater, Sandy Frank he's the source of all our pain. The last episode of the Kitma episodes, the local access uh, episodes of Misty, was Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds. It's made. And, it's made for that treatment. Yeah, yeah, especially the Sandy Frank. I mean, um, Sandy Frank. He was an American TV producer. He was most famous uh, primarily for importing Japanese products and then dubbing them over. Uh, he was responsible for the really bad dubs of all the Gamera movies that we got in the eighties. And he did a dub of Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds, just called the Legend of Dinosaurs, and it's it's a pretty pretty rough dub. But they also they cut out some of the best parts. They cut out the the nudity for one thing, the little half second of the girl's butt that we see. In we the, see uh, some butt. We see some side boob too. This side, side boob, boob yep. there for sure. And um, we also they cut out the part when the diver girl pulls her friend back onto the boat, and it's only her top half. Torso. There's some torso in this. There's some torso, <laughs> and there's some Godfather style decapitated horse yep. action. <laughs> decapitated horse, and then decapitated horse in a tree. And this yeah. is why it's like childlike. Like, okay, the, so they find the, the you know she sees the decapitated horse. They go back later, and they can't find it. And the the like cops who went to look for it are like. I don't know, you know, there was no horse there. And she's like, but what about all the blood? And they look at each other and they go, hey, yeah, you know, we did see some sort of, like, blood-like substance there. <laughs> Must have been a dog that got hit by a car and was just bleeding down there, you know. And when they see the horse, what does what does one person, what, what, what does her friend say? Boy, that's a really cruel prank for someone to play. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the horse had run by her, like, Three seconds ago, so that so somebody had lopped a horse head off, eaten it, and then dropped it as a prey, and they and they and they laugh this stuff off. You know, they yeah. just they just laugh it off every every step of the way in there. It's it's awesome. <laughs> you get lines like, "If a dinosaur appears, we'll have a magnitude five earthquakes." Yep. What? What? Oh, yeah, that one and and uh, and and the, the our, our hero, and I'm doing air quotes up to the mic so y'all can see that. He doesn't want to get a get a picture of the dinosaur. He doesn't want to study the dinosaur. No, he wants to see the dinosaur so that the image will be forever burned into his brain. Right, because of some you know something with his dead father or something. It, it, it's almost because people keep accusing him of wanting to make money off it. You're gonna make <laughs> money off this as if that like. He, <laughs> And and you gonna know, charge people fifty bucks to get eaten by a plesiosaur. That's what we're gonna do. And 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 a plesiosaur, which is of course is notorious for being one of the most docile plant eating yeah. dinosaurs of all time. But this one, this one chew, lifts people up by their legs, chews them up, spits out bloody torsos. Yeah, it's I, very unusual for a giant monster movie to have this much like blood and gore. Yeah, I mean you could you can tell that Tawai was really trying to be super super serious. With with some of this, and they were really shooting for. Oh, we're gonna make this movie, and we're gonna we're gonna export this to the West, and this is gonna be the new version of Jaws, and because we'll, we're gonna make ours mature with we'll love. E- we'll even put country music in it. <laughs> what the hell? Right. They have a, a, a Japanese country band, uh, young people as a country band on a floating boat. The monster comes, knocks the boat over. Everybody falls in the water with their guitars and stuff. There's chaos. 
And then about five minutes later, wouldn't you say about five minutes later, the band's like, all right, when we want to be happy, we sing a happy song. And all of a sudden they're back up on the stage playing. And and, and that was back in the days when a band started playing, everybody with an earshot comes running, clapping their hands. Start clapping, yep. The band started playing, and some of the worst dubbed clapping ever, it, it like... I no, as as someone sound different in Japanese. That's no, what I no, have to ask. No, 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 no. I can tell you exactly what happened with that clapping. Is they had time sync issues with it, and yeah. they couldn't keep it in sync, and it would have been so much work <laughs> cutting that film and that sound to sync with the music that they just let it be out of sync for the first three quarters of it and you could hear it slowly go into sync with the music towards the end and they're like okay maybe if we get it at the end <laughs> there's there there's some weird aesthetics with music here like the old peasant lady who sings her song the most out of tune singing yeah ever like the sweet out of tunes you know she's singing this sweet little melody but it's horribly out of tune and we get to hear it not once but twice yes and then, of course, uh, during the uh, the finale, we get the very what is now very cliched uh, love theme, which is uh, over the over the the life and death struggle. Which is, I, th- I, I think that's now like um, Hope's not here, so I can't run this by her. But I think that's essentially the, the one of the biggest anime cliches you can have is the, the the totally inappropriate love theme while the two heroes are trying to survive, not to fall into a volcanic pit. Well, yeah, and and then. As you're watching it, what doesn't it look like he's going to, like, he's struggling. He's, like, struggling to get her, but it looks more like he's, it, it looks like if I were her, I would have been swatting him away, but stop, I'm going to fall, you know? He was. He looks like he's trying to pull her off, and then they don't even end it with the person getting pulled up. There's still a person hanging. It still looks yeah. like they could fall at any second. And then but the it music just, is so happy. The music says that they don't fall. <laughs> the music's saying one thing, but the picture's saying another thing because it's like the end of Star Trek Three, where the planet's opening up and you know, you're know you falling into a crack of the earth with molten magma around you. But it doesn't matter because you, know, you have to think like a five-year-old who's probably on like kitty cough medicine or something to make it make any kind of sense at all and uh and i I will say though you can tell again that toei spent a good deal of a good deal of money you know relatively speaking on this because that set with all the moving pieces and the uh the gimbals and the, the pieces of rock that move back and forth it's a pretty neat you know, earthquake volcano set. Yeah, they, 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 there's some, um, there's some actually, there's some good cinematography in it in places. There's some, uh, there's some, imp- you know, they, it's, it's not completely cheap, but it's just completely inconsistent, you know. Right. And, and that's, I mean, what also yeah. makes it, I mean, the shots they have of above of the water with, where you see the bulk of the, plesiosaur moving under the water are pretty neat they're pretty creepy you yeah. know it looks like a big thing moving under the water so and and then the giant neck pops out and it all just goes to hell <laughs> and it starts wobbling back and forth and and uh yeah and uh he has a thing for eyes too yes eyes 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 i always see the creature's eyes when you see the eggs in the beginning there's eyes in them the, the first shot in the movie is a close-up of uh the woman's eye as she yep 
as she runs then, to the forest. Yeah, and the Ramphorhynchus uh, pecks out the plesiosaur's eye. Yeah, that was and quite the, a battle. Yeah. That, uh, and, and, and what's great about this movie is that there's like 30 minutes of build-up for the plesiosaur, and it's all about the plesiosaur and plesiosaur eggs, and father had plesiosaur eggs and plesiosaurs. And then the plesiosaur starts eating people real good, and you start getting a, a storyline going. And then just all of a sudden, it's just like, well, when there's earthquakes, there's uh, somebody actually says something like, well, you know, I wouldn't be so, he, you know, we got a plesi before they've even confirmed that it's a plesiosaur. You know, our hero is already, you know, guessing that probably, uh, you know, a pterodactyl is going to show up at, at any time because. <laughs> Oh yeah. Usually that's how it goes, and and uh, everybody of course mocks him, but you know it was they that were insane all the time, not he. Oh, I who is the real monster here? It's like the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are the real monsters. But uh, oh, my, I, I I tell you what, it, it's so it's almost as if they were just gonna make a movie about a plesiosaur, and then about two-thirds through it, they're like, you know what would be cool? Something has to... We need something to fight it, you know? Yeah! <laughs> you, can, you can just see the, the producers sitting on the, you know, oh... And the the, 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 the final battle between plesiosaur, and, uh, an aquatic dinosaur, and, yeah. the, and the pterodactyl, a creature of the air, is in the woods! Yeah! <laughs> they fight yeah. in the woods! <laughs> Where, where the pterodactyl, of course, has to do the classic giant horror movie, you know, bird hover, where it yep. still flaps its wings but manages to hover. <laughs> yet, yet through the use of zooms and shaky camera and and all that, they really do a d fairly decent job of making it amusing an amusing fight, especially when big squishy eyeballs start getting yeah. squashed and stuff. You, you you don't expect that coming, you know. Right, and and I, and I love the shot to the pterodactyls hopping back and forth. Yes, yes. Because he, he's a marionette. The plesiosaur is a combination of suitmation, and then the the head and neck are marionette. It's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a com combined effect. But the, the, the pterodactyl is just a little marionette, so you know when he's hopping around on the ground, it's just some guy hopping the little marionette strings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back and forth, and he's got the uh, he's got the jabber jaw going on also. Yes, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, and and that sort of stuff is fun to visualize when you're watching this movie. I was visualizing cameramen shaking the camera, you know, and I and I could see him the day before going, "All right, they probably had one," you know. I mean, because shaking the cameras like that is not usually a very good thing to do when you're filming and uh <laughs> so they probably had like one camera that was like the sh i'll bet you the shaker camera that worked really good and they were like all right get the shaker camera we're going to be doing some more shaking and uh they'd watch their star trek because the actors were really good at looking like they were being thrown around in sync that was about the only thing the actors were oh my yeah. god how could i forget it has the classic bad movie fucking scene in it where you know he doesn't want her to go in the water so he's emptying out her tanks you know and <laughs> she's like you want all the money and he slaps her and yeah then, and 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 it's just like as soon as he slaps her there's like a timer that just starts going off to when they're yeah. gonna be making out yeah well they they had already suffered coitus coitus interruptus earlier in the film <laughs> of freaking eels who keeps a box of eels in your trailer how freudian is that you know it's never it's never touched on again 
Just <laughs> oh, okay, box of veals. Dude, well, dude, dude, well dude. it's mentioned earlier. Remember, they said something like the na- you know the the locals say you know there's giant worms, and he's like giant worms, and they're like snakes. They mean yeah. snakes. They're simple <laughs> natives. They don't they the the that's what they call worms here, and they eat. They obviously they eat a lot of maize too, because I noticed there was a lot of uh, corn on the cob on yep. grills being served in this movie for some reason. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Know. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of you know. I've I've watched a lot of Japanese films from this era because this the the seventies was when, especially films exported to the West, we started to to branch out a bit from our standard fare. You know, we weren't just getting the um, uh, the you know the the giant monsters and the the period pieces and stuff. We were starting to get uh, more modern stories, and and we started getting starting with Submersion of Japan. The original version of Submersion of Japan, we started getting these disaster movies, right? And and this kind of fits into that same motif because it's got the whole big volcanic eruption and everything at the end. And one thing that's always amazed me is how, you know, the '70s. We've talked about this on on the Vault that the '70s were a spectacularly cynical time, especially the late '70s. Yes. And the Japanese films, I think, are actually worse than the American ones in this respect. Uh, there's a scene in. Uh, a film called Prophecies of Nostradamus, which is a incredibly rare, sought-after uh, Japanese disaster film because it was banned almost immediately after its release because it depicts uh, victims of a nuclear holocaust. Oh, okay. And so the No Nukes group in Japan pretty much shut that, you know, they, they, they hit that with a shutdown corner. But there's a scene in that, um, and the stock footage of which gets reused numerous times, where, uh, you know, Hundreds and hundreds of, of cars are jammed on the freeways trying to flee out of Tokyo, and one guy tries to force his way through, and he flips his pinto over and causes this giant chain reaction explosion that kills everyone on the freeway. Uh, and in Prophecies of Nostradamus, this is specifically cut with a scene of a young mother and her two little children crying before they're blown to bits. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's cynical. It's the same yeah. thing we have in, in this film when the pterodactyl decides just to attack and they've got this big ass pile of depth charges because i know i always keep about 50 rounds of depth charges ready to go on shore piled up the given time yeah piled up and then i and, use them for cover yeah <laughs> use for cover when i'm firing uh, uh shot round after round at a giant uh monster bird and then he just they all blow up when he shoots the uh when he shoots the depth charges and the amazing thing to me is that is in the trailer <laughs> That's not even like a surprise. It's like, yeah, it's the 70s. Check it out. They're dumb. They killed themselves. Who are the real monsters? And I say again, the dinosaurs. dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, that, that super cynical attitude. And it's like the, every, you know, the hero in this. I said I said I'm a quote-unquote hero before because it's like he's such a jackass yeah. the entire time. And, you know, it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put everyone I know into grave danger because I want to stare a dinosaur in the face. Well, he, like, quits his job first all impetuously. And, like, they're like, but yeah, this big star. I'm quitting my my job i'm gonna go look at the dinosaur eggs and then driving the jeep he looks like rex dart eskimo spy there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 just it's horrific and and like i said it's not that it's not that this film is just real it's not that it's badly made it's it's not you know it's, there's some competence here it's just you juxtapose the 
the goofy ass dinosaurs and the the gore and the super serious attitude and the we're trying to be relevant cynicism and the like I said before the disco jazz fusion soundtrack and you're like you just sit there at some point you're like what the fuck am I watching? I'm hallucinating. That's all. There's you start looking into your drink and stuff and going, <laughs> yeah. This this makes absolutely no sense. And 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 you know, one minute everybody's talking about like, ah yes, dinosaurs. Well, there's never been you know dinosaurs alive. And then the next minute they're like, well, if there's you know a par- you know we'll have a pterodactyl should be showing up at any time. And if we have earthquakes, then there's definitely giant monsters coming then. Or you know. It's- when giant monsters come, we definitely have earthquakes. It, it yeah. just happens. That goes without saying. <laughs> and, and you know, uh, the scene I, I always like in this is during the climactic uh, earthquake when we see the shot of the plesiosaur puppet just being thrown off the set, flying yes. right towards the camera, and you see that they, they let the shot go for probably about two seconds too long because you kind of see it hit the plexiglass that the camera is shooting through and yeah and it's got that sort of you know like paper mache over you know light netting look <laughs> you know uh, chicken wire to it yeah uh, you know that yeah that the, the no um <laughs> no, no solidity internal, yes <laughs> but yeah what's to be expected i i mean i don't know i mean obviously i'm thinking you know five years old I would have bought every second of it. I would have been yeah. terrified. <laughs> Six <All> years right. <laughs> old? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and 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 it's and you know and again it, it's because you can tell that Tawai wanted this to be a film that adults were gonna like, not children, and they completely and utterly failed. Miss, missed that mark by it, quite quite a ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for what it's worth, you can go watch. I'll, I'll, um, this movie actually on Google. Yes. Um, I'll put a link. I'll definitely put a link in the on the Libsyn page to it for those brave enough to. Uh, actually, you know, for for a media masochist movie, this is a good one to start with. I would say because yeah. you're not it, you're you're gonna get some pleasure with your pain. You're gonna get a little side boob and some Japanese butt and some blood. And torsos and stuff like that, you know. And, and and you do get giant monsters. I mean, I uh, yes, I, I I have a theory that I think if you're if you're the kind of person who's listening to this podcast, you probably have at least some sort of minimum appreciation level for <laughs> Japanese giant monsters. Yes, like you might not be, you know, uh, a, a, a daikaiju otaku like I am, you know, but you're gonna say Godzilla's on shit. I'm watching that, you know, that sort of thing. So. It's 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 definitely it's definitely worth seeing and 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 it's pretty uh, I think it's a uh, kind of appropriate that that it get like um, that you cover this one during this show rather than your normal show because it's yes. just a, it's a mutant it's <laughs> definitely uh, and yeah one of those in, those you know internationally made um, th- it, it sort it, it sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, the mighty Peking man yes. In, in a way, which was what well, I think that was like U.S., Japanese, and Indian. Yes, co-production. And was, yeah, and was and was shot with uh, you know uh, I believe the woman I believe the lead actress is blonde, isn't she? I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's designed entirely to be exported to the West. Yeah, the, well, the the lady's blonde, but the hero is an Indian guy, and the and the um and the the giant monkey looks decidedly Asian. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and that's yeah, 
Well, you know, there's uh, um, there there was a there was a Korean giant monster film made in I want to say 1967 called Yangari, and this was remade in 1999, and it was made in Korea with a completely American cast speaking English. It was it was made again. It's like we're gonna make a movie and we're gonna sell it to the United States, and then you look at what you've made and you're like, shit. We can still release it on DVD, right? Hey, this had this had, this had a this had an American actor as a reporter in it, a big yeah. burly burly white guy who said, "It's really super big news." <laughs> at one point, <laughs> and and it had. You, did you notice the one shot where? Where he finally gets his look at the plesiosaur, he gets to burn it into his eye. That's like right from King Kong, the original King Kong, like a matte shot, or was it the Lost yeah. World? Maybe, it, but no, I think it was King Kong. You know, just like a shot through a forest, you know, a jungle with yeah. with the monster, you know, matted on on the back, and the the hero in the foreground looking at it. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if there was aping, no pun intended, aping King Kong, because, like you said, when the every time the plesiosaur eats somebody, they're, he's just hanging around in their jaws. Yeah. Which, of course, <laughs> it's like Kong. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the one point, he actually, like, eats one guy and just sort of comes up and shows him to the other guy, you know? He just sort of <laughs> comes up even with him, with the guy, like, resting with his arms and legs hanging yeah. out of his mouth, just sort of like, hey, look, it's your buddy. Yum yum I, yum! <laughs> I like when he when he eats the diver girl, eats the diver girl's friend, because he he the plesiosaur pops up out of the water, and and grabs her by the leg and picks her up. Now, never mind the fact that when we see her getting lifted out of the out of the boat, it's very clear that she's got like, uh, you know, a a harness attached to her ankle because we can see her whole leg. And then by the time we're in the shot with the full scale plesiosaur head. Uh, it's up by her knee that he's biting her. Yeah, and she's a dummy. She's you know a Barbie doll. It's yeah, <laughs> and then and then you know well with the full scale one she's flailing and kicking him in the head yeah. and everything, which I was funny. But then he drops her, and there's no wound on her leg, just blood. Yeah, just blood. There's no wound at all. And then you know she's she, she the plesiosaur chases her around a little bit, and then she just bleeds out randomly. It's like I guess it was one of those. It's it's like when a spider bites you. It's really small, but it hurts. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and he wasn't that hungry, right? He he was he was just gonna. He wanted to swim around a little while before he only ate half of her too. So. And then I, I love. And then the diver girl comes up, and you know she's been under the water. Okay, this giant monster has been swimming around all around this boat, chasing down her friend. She doesn't notice any of that. Or the giant pool of blood. Yeah. Doesn't notice any of that. Nah, nah, nah. Just going about my business. <laughs> Till I pull up my friend's torso. It's like, hey, Relic, we know what movie you ripped off. <laughs> yeah, shot for shot, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's a great gag, so you can't blame anybody, but, you know, ah. Uh, and that, and that scene is actually that's cut out of the I mentioned before cut out of the Sandy Frank dub so that would make sense that was that was like the really over the top moment in the the whole thing that was where I was just like holy cow <laughs> <laughs> and that poor dog is left on the shore for the rest of the movie for the rest of the movie tied to her bike <laughs> we just sort of we just sort of forget about that dog he's so cute that's a, that's the thing 
and you know i mean she doesn't seem after that that was like her best friend right they were like roommate yeah. best friends and, and you know then well she's just gone <laughs> it's, it's half of her i need is gone anyway <laughs> yeah she's, she's half the girl i used to know <laughs> It's an economy of time. You don't got time to grieve. We got another plot point we have to move on. Exactly. <laughs> another useless and completely almost meaningless plot point, but it doesn't matter. We got a whole bunch of them that we got to tick off before the end of this hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they built a full scale like you know hidden hidden version of Japanese CIA set with the you know with the maps on glowing yep. maps on glass and the scientists and everything and we get the whole explanation of how uh, of how wideband sonar works <laughs> yeah that was awesome and, and that, uh, that's relatively new in the 70s I recognize that but. and and I also liked how it was returning actual like video imagery from the bottom of the <laughs> and they said can we even see small fish and they're like why yes you can look <laughs> and, 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 and that, that was kind of clever because they couldn't actually show you, you know, how it would focus on a small fish. They just showed all the reporters' heads yeah. leaning in on it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Uh, yeah, all, all dubbed. I love all the scenes whenever there's a crowd of people and there's you, you hear conversations of people and you can tell it's the same two or three actors trying to make their voices different. Yeah. And they're all recorded at the same level. You yeah. Know? So it's just like... It's just like watching a movie with people running around with people just doing commentary over it. It's very very disconcerting. <laughs> but if it wasn't disconcerting, it wouldn't be here on the Media Masochist, yeah, now, would it? That's true. <laughs> if it wasn't disturbing on some level. Yeah. Well, that's about all I got on this uh Yeah. This this giant turd. This legendary <laughs> giant turd. Legendary monster giant turd. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, uh, this, yeah, and just you know, this um, if 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 you watch the film and you for some reason feel the need to own it, it is available from Media Blasters uh, on Region One DVD. Wow, and uh, it's uh, a pretty nice package, evidently. But uh, again, it's <laughs> but it, well, I, I had my my management professor used to say you can't make chicken salad out of chicken eh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that. I just made chicken salad for dinner today. What a coincidence. I had, I, had, I had bratwurst. Ah, yum yum. <laughs> so, go to Google and watch it or, or, or buy it if you gotta. You know, may, check it out on, <laughs> on Google, I would, I would recommend. And uh, we'll see you next time that I find some shitty movie that I've gotta <laughs> put myself through. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I can't find a copy of it yet, but I, I'm telling you next on my docket is probably going to be Atlas Shrugged, mm. the, the adaptation of Atlas Shrugged. I, yes. I don't know, but I've heard it's terrible. So I read the book back in high school, so I, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can remember chunks of it, but yeah, I hear it's one of those like completely inept production. It was one of those things where somebody owned the rights to the movie and when they first owned the rights um, they were actually at one point had Clint Eastwood signed up to I think direct and Robert Redford was talking about being in it and Meryl Streep was supposed to be in it and they had these really incredible script writers 
and and it would keep falling you know things would fall apart and and yep. so finally the guy's rights to the to the book were coming up so he had to make something yep so he wrote it and he directed it himself and he plays um john galt in it so it should be one of the it's going to be a vanity production and those <laughs> are usually painful yes yes but so well i'll do I it for know, you we'll, guys yeah well you see somebody's got to do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.